Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. As busy parents ourselves, we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. We are excited that you decided to join us today. Hey everyone, as some of our hosts have medical licenses, we need to share the following legal disclaimer with you. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and must never be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. This podcast is not intended to be relied upon for medical diagnosis or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. Hello, everybody. This is the Why Weight Elevate podcast. This is Quincy Robinson here with an amazing group of people here to talk to you guys. Uh, I've got Cheryl and Ron and Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey is joining us via Zoom as she is still home with her cute little baby. And someday we'll be able to get together again, but right now she's enjoying that. Um, I'd like to start out today's episode. We're going to talk a lot about insulin resistance. Um, it's, it's an important question to be asking when you're looking at your overall health and your, and your metabolic health, your weight. And so let's have a discussion today to talk about why. why is, what is insulin resistance first and why is it important? Who would like to go first? Wow. They're all pointing back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go ahead first, Kelsey? Do you want to kind of start and then these guys can have like rebuttals against that? <laughs> oh, okay. So putting the dietitian on the spot. Um, well, first talk about insulin. I think we've all, a lot of people have heard of what insulin is. Um, and that's like the main, you know, it's produced by the pancreas and it regulates and maintains our blood sugar so that our cells can use um, the sugar for energy. So it's it's an important thing. It's key. Um, it's a key that unlocks the, do- <laughs> the doors to the cells. Um, and without it, we can't really use um, glucose from the carbs we eat um, and store it for future use. Um, but kind of with insulin resistance, insulin levels continue to rise and your cells become less respondent. Um, so that key doesn't quite open up the doors as well as it should. So then glucose tends to also um, rise up. The other key factor with insulin, it's a hormone and hormones like to tell other parts of the body what to do. So when insulin's not functioning the way it's supposed to, it's kind of wrecking havoc in multiple areas in your life. So it's not just that sugar regulation, which is important, but it's also one of the main factors is it tells our body to hang on to all of the fat storage so that it makes it just a lot more difficult to maintain or lose weight. It's one of the biggest factors when it comes to regulating weight. Well, the thing is, um, with insulin or with hormones, like Cheryl says, is it affects the different cells, but different hormones, testosterone, estrogen, thyroid, they'll affect different cells and regulate different things, but it doesn't affect every cell. Insulin's a little bit different. It affects every cell in your body. So when it, it affects every cell a bit different and not every cell is insulin sensitive or insulin resistant to the same level. So that's why the difficult part and why you'll gain or 
have more fat in certain areas because it regulates the fat, but it also prevents us from losing fat in those particular areas also. So it's a lot more complex than just go, oh, I'll just do this and it'll fix that one thing. So a lot, it's a very complex system that we're trying to deal with. So basically what I'm hearing is it's, it's okay to have insulin through your body, but when your body doesn't use it very well, and so your body creates a lot more insulin, that extra insulin wrecks havoc throughout your whole body. Well, insulin's a key thing because if you don't have it, you're a type 1 diabetic and we have to give you insulin. Okay. So insulin is a life-saving hormone for a type 1 diabetic. But when we talk diabetes in this podcast, we're talking type 2, which is the most prominent type of diabetes. Somewhere between 90 and 95% of the people who have diabetes have type 2. Very small portion have type 1. And you can develop at any stage in your life because something can ha- happen to the pancreas so it stops producing it. But it usually happens. That's why we used to call it juvenile diabetes. Is something happens, an autoimmune, your body attacks the different cells of the pancreas so you don't produce the insulin or not enough to do its job. And over time, it just tapers off. So we have to give those people insulin. And they can become insulin resistant to the insulin we're giving them. I know it's a lot more complex and we can go down that road another time, but insulin's a key hormone you have to have. It's the excessive amount of insulin that makes the bigger issue. And over time through different genetics or environmental type things, and medicines can play a role with it also, the, like Kelsey says, the cells don't respond to it. So your body makes more and more and more insulin to kind of compensate for that. At least that's one of the theories. One of the other theories is because the cells get so jam-packed full of fat that they now produce less cell or less receptors. Therefore, your body's got this extra sugar floating around that we keep putting in and it doesn't have a place to do it. And the cells in the protective mechanism make less receptors but we have to do something with it. So your body makes more and more insulin to try to find places to put that extra sugar. Thank you. Any other thoughts? (laughs) No, I do want to say insulin resistance does not automatically mean you're diabetic. Okay. um, Unfortunately, what we're seeing now is before anybody ever says, Hey, you're a type two diabetic. We see these small changes that happen in our body that lead to the long-term chronic complications of diabetes, like blindness and amputations and kidney failure and whatnot. Those small changes in the body are happening 10 to 15 years before we ever say you're diabetic. So just because we say you're insulin resistant doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically diabetic. It just means that's one of the pathways it can lead to. Yes. And, we, and we really want to clear up and get your insulin working more efficiently in the earlier stages as opposed to later on. So you don't get to diabetes. Yeah, or, or any of the other, I mean, there's so many complications that come from insulin resistance. What are other methods? So I, oh, I call like the insulin resistance kind of like that warning light of like in your car that, hey, there's a problem. Something's mm-hmm. going on that we need to address so that you can prevent all of those horrible long-term chronic issues. Kelsey, will you say that one more time? You the internet oh. lagged. Okay, um, so I call it like the insulin resistance is that warning light, just like we have warning lights on our cars, letting us know that um, you need to give your car some attention or check something out. Um, so that is a really good 
when we find out you have high insulin, it's a good warning light of let's address it before you get diagnosed with diabetes or have other. With that idea, what we're trying to do is fix the problem before the warning light starts to show up. Even beforehand. We're trying to catch it before and do the things to help prevent it, the maintenance and the good care of the body. So we don't get to the point where the warning light starts to come on and the diabetes is multiple warning lights going off. So we're trying to catch it way before, and it can be that five to 10, even 15 years before that the problems are starting. We're trying to slow that and prevent that from any of these things progressing. Yeah. So I, maybe this is a really good time to throw in. What are those warning signs? How do you know if you, am I insulin resistant? That was my next question. So oh, there we go. <laughs> so? Um, I think the earliest signs, um, difficulty with weight. Either it's super easy for you to pack on the weight or incredibly difficult to lose the weight. I think that's probably one of the first warning signs. If you carry your, your weight around your gut, um, again, another early warning sign. Um, if your blood pressures are starting to creep up, uh, another warning light's coming on. Um, I'll, go ahead. If you've been told you have high cholesterol or they're concerned about cholesterol type things, or if they're with the, the visceral fat or fat around the organs, if they said your um, liver functions by doing some of these tests that your doctors would do, if their liver functions are starting to be a little higher than we'd like or having some concerns about that, or some women who have had different surgeries for gallbladder, or not just for that, but things for like PCOS or endometriosis, and they go, yeah, your, your liver looks a little fattier type thing, are all warning signs that could be part of it. Or if you're diagnosed with metabolic syndrome. So if you have metabolic syndrome, which is a key thing, which is you have to have three of five different things, which would be a larger waist circumference and a female greater than 35 inches and in a male greater than 40 inches having elevated blood pressure. And again, a lot of times the numbers they're using are actually lower than the diagnosis of hypertension. So it's about one, on average of 135 over 85. Having an elevated blood sugar in a fasting state above 126 or being told that if you're during pregnancy, you have an abnormal fasting glucose test or if your A1C, which is your average blood sugar over the last three months, is now out of the normal range, which is getting above 5.6, and some labs would argue that, but that kind of that general range. Having a HDL that's too low, in a female it's less than 50, and in a male it's less than 40, and a triglyceride greater than 150. So you have to have three of those five things. Okay. Um, you also mentioned um, pregnancy and things like that. Are there specific things that women should watch for if pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, or post-pregnancy that could be manifestations of this same disease state? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, women who gain more than about 40 pounds in pregnancy, as long as there's not uh, multiples there, uh, that's, that's a telltale sign that that's okay. insulin resistance. Um, gestational diabetes, difficulty mm -hmm. regulating that blood pressure during uh, pregnancy can lead to it. Um, and sometimes that weight gain, it might not come during pregnancy, but maybe it comes while you're nursing or even after you're done nursing, you'll, and it's the fluctuations in the hormones, and that's where that weight gain will come from. Lovely yeah. hormones. How about breast tests? Oh yeah, babies weigh more than nine pounds. 
Okay. Or, and the other thing we'll see is moms who gain more than 40 pounds and then their babies are smaller, like l less than six pounds oh. okay. um, is another telltale sign that there's some insulin resistance going on. Or having just small kids that aren't premature or mm -hmm. have other underlying metabolic problems that we know of, yeah. but also difficulty in getting pregnant. So we talked about the pregnancy, but the difficulty in getting pregnant to be part of it also. And there's, it's not every time that you get pregnant on a regular basis and there's always a natural um, flush out or not get pregnant. But if you're having a harder time getting pregnant after multiple attempts on a regular basis for more than a year, or if the sperm counts low, so it doesn't have to be from the female part it can be from the male part okay. also. Yeah. So there's, again, it delves into every system of the body. Any other things from a man's perspective that they should watch for you talk about waist circumference and, and weight, um, could be some depression, low testosterone, and that's probably, low sex drive, okay. and when, even at any age. And that's both genders probably, I mean, not testosterone. Oh, exactly. But low sex drive, um, what was the first thing you said? Well, actually on the testosterone end, for women, our levels could go either way, where they're mm -hmm. more elevated and then we um, exhibit more facial hair or uh, hair around the belly, the back, or you get severe acne. Those are the signs that you've got more of those male hormones that are kind of running amok in there. Has there been other things that have surprised you that you're like, oh wait, that's or patients are surprised to hear that that's related to the high insulin levels? Um, one thing that caught me off guard is the mood disorders. Oh. Patients who uh, struggle with bipolar, schizophrenia, they are infinitely um, more at risk for being insulin resistant. And some of that is the actual disease itself, but a lot of that is the medications that we put them on to help control and keep them stabilized that causes the insulin resistance. So the medications as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, medications are a huge, huge aspect, especially the psychological type mm -hmm. medicines. Most of them are weight positive, meaning can cause weight gain, and a lot of it's because it's affecting those different levels of the insulin resistance aspect. Most of the diabetic medications, any type of steroid, birth control medicines, all can cause weight gain. Wow, you guys, go ahead, Kelsey. <laughs> okay, I was like, I'm gonna slightly change topics, but for me, when I was studying insulin resistance, two diseases, the migraines and fatty liver, mm -hmm. um, that was very fascinating to me, kind of seeing the physiology of how um, those two different, I mean, lots of people have migraines and then um, fatty liver, unfortunately, is becoming more common um, and not induced by alcohol, but mm -hmm. the insulin resistance pathway. And if you have fatty liver and you do drink, we need to be more careful because that can exacerbate it, but the insulin resistance will help fix it. Drink mm -hmm. alcohol? No, avoid <laughs> avoid the alcohol. Okay. Wait, I just heard we need to drink more alcohol. No, <laughs> That's no, what no, I heard no. too. I'm, I'm like, let's do this. Alcohol, <laughs> think of this word. Beer is basically liquid bread. If you're not supposed to eat bread, you probably shouldn't drink bread. So. You are the murderer of all fun. Alcohol, carbs, <laughs> all those addictive substances. <laughs> I mean, so you guys pretty much just gave us a list of I think every single person in the world. Right? Yes. I mean, it's so prevalent, especially I, in our American society. Yeah, I can make an argument. Any chronic disease out there probably got started by insulin resistance. So therefore, we can prevent. Well, I'm not saying it's not, but odds are, majority of them 
will be insulin resistance. And if you want a great book of looking at all these different things, go look at a book by Dr. Ben Bickman, Why We Get Sick. He talks, he teaches about insulin resistance. His book's all about different tests and things that he's looked at and studies out there of how all these different things lead to, or insulin resistance can exacerbate, if not start the whole process. Mm. So if you want more resources versus what we're telling you, that's a great book to go look at. Mm. And we can have a link in the show notes so you can go find that. Other things I thought of, joint pain. Joint yeah. pain we haven't mentioned. Yeah, well, insulin causes inflammatory responses throughout the entire body. So even okay. if you look at any of the autoimmune diseases, like, um, uh, arthritis or thyroid issues, um, all the gut issues, the irritable bowel syndrome, mm-hmm. whatnot. These, it's it's big old mess of inflammation, and insulin is one of the driving forces there. So if you can clear up the insulin, the, the inflammation can slowly start to heal also. So let's go talk about that osteoarthritis really quick. A lot of times you go, oh, it's just because you're weight wearing on the joints. Actually not. Studies have shown that the elevated insulin or the insulin resistance is now affecting the chondrocytes, which a big fancy term, but basically the cells that help make the shiny surfaces of the joints. So those aren't working very well, that breaks down quicker, therefore leads to osteoarthritis. But also it affects the synovial sites, which actually produce more of the fluid inside the joints. So you're not having as much buffer in those joints, especially the weight-bearing joints. Therefore, that's where the weight exacerbates the problem. And that's where a lot of people by making some of these changes, even though they haven't lost a lot of weight right at first, their joints don't hurt as bad because we're now giving a little bit more fluid in there. And it's giving some time to calm down the inflammation like Cheryl brought up. So we're now trying to slow. We're not going to go back to when you were really young. It was, oh, I, I have the joints of a 20-year-old. We're not going to get you back to that point. But it might slow down the progression or it might, if you're in that process of, thinking about do I need to have a total knee or a total hip or something like that that hasn't had a traumatic uh, event that caused it, doing this might slow it down or at least improve the pain enough so you can get the weight down enough so you can have the surgery for the surgeon to allow you clearance to do it or improve it enough that maybe you can postpone for a little bit longer because the natural stuff's better than the man-made stuff and the man-made stuff's getting better but that's how a discussion to have with your surgeon about it. But hopefully this might help you in that whole process. Too much? No, I think it's great. This is all good information. I'm sitting here thinking of our poor listeners who've now basically put <laughs> this horrible list of, Murder of joy. things that are like going wrong with them and they're now going to die because they're not doing any of the stuff. But um, any final words of advice as we wrap up this podcast? Okay, now that you've heard of all this list of all these things, why is it so important? What is it doing to us? Um, what would you say would be quick, one minute, what should they focus on? Or maybe, I guess we can just continue listening to our podcast. We'll have more information later down the road that talks about things that they can do to bring their insulin levels down. Um, but final thoughts. Sure. Um, I, I think just... A word of hope here. Um, insulin resistance, definitely a key factor in a lot of these things we've discussed. We can heal this up. We can, we can get your insulin working a lot more efficient, um, kind of decrease all of those risks that we've been talking about. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. It, it didn't occur overnight. So it's going to take some time. But if you're patient and you're willing to make the necessary changes, all of this can really improve. 
and and also improve your outlook um, as far as your overall health and well-being. I love that. And um, even if you're already at the point of these chronic illnesses that we've talked about or diseases, you can, by helping resolve the insulin, you can improve your symptoms. You may not be able to get rid of all of your diseases, but you can definitely improve your quality of life by addressing the insulin. And we can halt progression any further. So, I mean, I've got some patients who, you know, uncontrolled diabetes for years. And right now our goal is to prevent them from having to go on dialysis. So they're at the end stages of kidney disease. And and so far for six months, that is what we've been able to do. So I think um, for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different, especially what your underlying motivating factors are. But I think there's hope for, for all of this. And part of it is look at where you are in your situation. And the farther you're down some of these more severe conditions, it's going to take longer to get back. But if you're not that far down it, the, the fix is a lot easier. So everybody's journey is different. And that's why, we, at least I want patients to look at it. This is a journey. You didn't get here overnight, like Cheryl said. You're not going to get back overnight. But the farther you're down the road, it's just going to take us longer to get back. But can we slow the progression? Sometimes that's our ultimate goal, like Cheryl said. Can we prevent things from getting worse so we're not having to do these things? Or can we start improving your blood sugar numbers or uh, help improve your emotional needs and help with some of the underlying psychological issues? So it's not a quick fix. It's a progression. It's a journey. And that's why I was joking we tell my patients, my goal is to get everybody to 100. That gives them an idea of how much longer they're going to have to be on this journey, <laughs> to how to work on it. And everybody's different. And we've got to make – you can't judge yourself compared to everybody else. And that's the difficult part with social media. It's like, oh, this person did this, and I should be doing this. That's not that's their journey. That's not your journey. There's no quick fixes in this. Nope. It just they, they don't exist. If they did, we'd all be rich and out of a job. Exactly. happily out of a job, but there are no quick fixes. There's so many different factors and everybody reacts so differently that they're just, they don't exist. There's no quick fix. You have to be in it for the long haul. Thanks for joining us on the Why Wait Elevate podcast. We hope this episode has been helpful for you. If you found it to be so, can you please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice like iTunes or Stitcher? It really helps others hear about this podcast and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you. Thank you.